We probably all know someone who told us about their experience with allergies. Maybe they realized they had allergies when they were a child during a friend's birthday party. They ate a peanut butter cookie and suddenly they developed hives, redness, and their throat swelled up. They vaguely remember going to the emergency room, given a shot, and then feeling better. Seems like a pretty straightforward example of a peanut allergy, right? But what if someone experiences all these symptoms at random times with no clear trigger? What if they are just resting and suddenly these symptoms come on? Today, your patient has mast cell activation syndrome, and you are the doctor. Welcome to The Internet Work, a podcast written by medical residents meant to serve you better on the wards and on call. Today's episode is titled, Ring the Alarm, Mast Cell Activation Syndrome, or MCAS, MCAS for short. Time for our minute physiology. Mast cells are immune cells that are involved in immediate allergic reactions. They will cause allergic reactions by degranulating and releasing histamine, tryptase, carboxypeptase A, and proteoglycans. These mediators are responsible for the signs and symptoms seen in anaphylactic reactions. But what triggers a mast cell to degranulate? Mast cells are activated when IgE antibodies on their cell surface are cross-linked after binding to proteins that cause allergies. Mast cells are activated when IgE antibodies on their cell surface are cross-linked after binding to proteins that cause allergies. For example, a peanut protein. The mediators released then cause a flood of various reactions that patients experience during anaphylaxis. For example, Histamine can cause vasodilatation, increasing vascular permeability, reducing heart rate, reducing cardiac contraction, and increasing glandular secretions. Prostaglandins can cause symptoms of bronchoconstriction, pulmonary and coronary vasoconstriction, and peripheral vasodilation. Leukotrienes can also produce bronchoconstriction, increase vascular permeability, and prompt airway changes. The synergy of all these mediators working together contribute to the overall pathophysiology of MCAS. As a reminder, MCAS can present variably. Most patients will experience some combination of urticaria, angioedema, bronchospasm, hypotension, syncope, and GI symptoms, including nausea, vomiting, or diarrhea. In patients with MCAS, they tend to experience milder symptoms or may be isolated to one or two organ systems. In the most severe form of MCAS, anaphylaxis, individuals will have rapid onset of symptoms from three or more organ systems that are severe and life-threatening. In MCAS, patients present clinically with symptoms that are seen in anaphylaxis and often improve with therapies that target mast cells and their mediators, such as antihistamines. MCAS includes primary MCAS, secondary MCAS, and idiopathic MCAS, or IMCAS. When mast cells become defective, they may release mediators because of abnormal internal signals. This can be caused by mutations in mast cells, which can then in turn produce large populations of identical mast cells that overproduce and spontaneously release mediators. Primary MCAS is caused by primary disorder of mast cells. This includes mastocytosis and monoclonal mast cell activation syndrome. There is an inherent issue with the mast cells themselves, and the quantity of mast cells is greatly increased. This often needs a bone marrow biopsy to diagnose. Secondary mast cell disorders include classic allergic disorders and other conditions where mast cells are normal in quantity and function, 
but responding to identifiable external stimuli. These stimuli may include allergens, autoantibodies, physical factors, infections, drugs, or products of complement activation. Secondary MCAS is much more common. Think about all the people you may know with food allergies, environmental allergies, or medication allergies. Finally, there is idiopathic MCAS or IMCAS. IMCAS are conditions where mast cells activate without an identifiable trigger, or it may not be a consistent trigger. As well, a clonal population of mast cells are not identified. It is a diagnosis of exclusion. The prevalence of mast cells diseases in general has been difficult to predict, but studies approximate about 1 in 10,000 people have some form of systemic mastocytosis, which falls under primary MCAS. Alright, so now that we've talked about the basic physiology, let's discuss the approach to MCAS. MCAS occurs when mast cells begin to degranulate. They release mediators, including histamine, into the surrounding tissues, leading to a variety of presentations, including urticaria, angioedema, bronchoconstriction, hemodynamic instability, and GI symptoms. Patients may present after exposure to an allergen, or they may not have had any exposure. To diagnose MCAS, a patient must meet all of the following three criteria. 1. Episodic, objective signs and symptoms involving at least two organ systems. Subjective symptoms, fatigue, brain fog, does not warrant an evaluation for mast cell disorders unless they are accompanied by symptoms within two other organ systems. 2. Evidence of systemic mast cell mediator responses that occur at the same time as clinical symptoms. This includes an elevated serum tryptase level. 3. They must respond to medications that inhibit mast cell mediators such as antihistamines. Symptoms of mast cell activation include the following, flushing, pruritus, urticaria, angioedema, nasal congestion, rhinorrhea, wheezing, bronchospastic cough, headache, diarrhea, gastric hyperacidity, abdominal cramping, nausea, vomiting, hypotension, tachycardia, fatigue, lethargy, memory and concentration problems. Your step in the patient encounter is to assess whether your patient is stable or not. What is their GCS? Are their ABCs stable? What are their vitals? As discussed previously, MCAS encompasses a variety of disorders, and if patients present with anaphylaxis, then that is a life-threatening severe illness where prompt assessment and treatment is required. On history, you want to clarify the patient's previous and present episodes. You should carefully understand the triggering factors that may have led to this episode. You should ask the patient about the timing of the event, known or previous triggers, and symptoms. Symptoms can be generally categorized by organ systems, specifically skin and soft tissue, GI, respiratory and nasoocular, cardiovascular, neuropsychiatric, and system anaphylaxis. Specifically, ask about the symptoms of flushing, urticaria, diarrhea, abdominal cramping, wheezing, syncope, or near syncope. In terms of skin or soft tissue manifestations, they often will present with flushing. The flushing observed is usually longer duration, lasting minutes to a few hours, and is not accompanied by sweating. They may also experience pruritus, dermographism, urticaria, and or angioedema, but these symptoms are more characteristic of secondary or idiopathic MCAS, whereas flushing is more prominent in primary MCAS. For GI symptoms, 
Consider intermittent pain, heartburn, nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, and abdominal cramping. For respiratory and nasal ocular symptoms, consider rhinorrhea, nasal congestion, conjunctival injection, ocular itching, and bronchoconstriction. For cardiovascular symptoms, consider lightheadedness, syncope, and tachycardia. For the neuropsychiatric system, consider headaches, fatigue, lethargy, lack of concentration, and mild cognitive problems. To rule out MCAS, ask about recurrent or chronic urticaria, angioedema, and or upper airway swelling that are not characteristic of MCAS. Patients with these symptoms alone do not need to be evaluated for MCAS. For every patient suspect of MCAS, a thorough skin exam should be completed, looking for urticaria, maculopopular lesions, or urticaria pigmentosa. Of course, a thorough cardiovascular and respiratory exam should also be performed. For investigations, you will want to obtain a serum tryptase level. The serum tryptase level will be elevated even if the patient has received treatment. However, ideally, a serum tryptase should be obtained between 15 minutes and 3 hours after onset of symptoms. It is also important to get a baseline level at least 24 hours after the onset of symptoms to determine the basal mast cell burden. If the difference between the two measures is sufficient, this suggests that the symptoms were due to mast cell degranulation. However, serum tryptase may be elevated in other disorders such as chronic eosinophilic leukemia, MDS, acute leukemias, chronic renal insufficiencies, and bone marrow suppression states. Therefore, to rule out other conditions, it is advisable to obtain a CBC with deferential, creatinine, and electrolytes. If it is thought that the patient has primary MCAS, then a bone marrow biopsy should be performed. All patients suspect of MCAS should be referred to an allergist for further workup and assessment. For treatment, it is important to consider managing acutely unwell patients with early resuscitation. For patients with anaphylaxis, hypotension, or syncope, it is imperative to begin early resuscitation with securing the airway and providing epinephrine either via IM injection or IV injection if they were, are in cardiac arrest. IV epinephrine may cause coronary vasospasm and ventricular arrhythmias if given in a 1 to 1,000 dilution. If they have arrested, we use epinephrine 1 to 10,000 dilution intravenously. Patients should always be provided with epinephrine auto-injectors dosed appropriately for their age and weight and taught how to use them appropriately upon discharge in hospital. For symptoms of puritis or urticaria, then using non-sedative H1 antihistamines are appropriate. Examples include cetirizine up to 10 mg daily, ofexophenidine 180 mg daily, desloratadine 5 mg, or loratadine 10 mg daily. For chronic urticarial, up to four times these doses are used to control symptoms. Anti-leukotriene agents such as Montelukast 10 mg daily can also be added in patients with bronchospasm, flushing, itching, or abdominal cramps that are unresolved with antihistamines. If patients are primarily presenting with GI symptoms or lightheadedness, it may be helpful to add H2 antihistamines. Specific examples include famotidine, ranitidine, or cimetidine. Remember, Improvement of symptoms with agents that act on mast cell mediators is part of the diagnostic criteria for MCAS. Halsey is an American singer and songwriter, and you may recognize the Chainsmokers song, Closer, that she is featured in. 
In USA Today, May 2022, she announced that she was diagnosed with MCAS after the birth of her first child. She stated, I started getting really, really, really sick. I've been kind of sick most of my adult life, and it started getting really bad after giving birth. Halsey continued noting she is allergic to literally everything and was hospitalized for anaphylaxis. Thank you for listening to today's episode. This episode was written by Dr. Candice Liu, internal medicine resident, and reviewed by Dr. Paul Keith, allergy immunology, and Dr. Zara Khalid, general internal medicine. The internet work was created by Alison Lai and co-developed by Zara Morali and Leah Karanopoulos. This episode was recorded and produced by Zara Morali. Music by Laxman Samantha Mohan. If you liked this episode, please like and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Please also check out our website, theinternetwork.com, for an associated infographic. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope to see you soon.